Welcome to Stacy on the Right here with FamilyVisionMedia.org. So excited to have you and to have with us our guest today, which is Scott Whitlock. He's a research director at NewsBusters.org, and this is at the Media Research Center, one of my favorite news reporting uh, organizations. Scott, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. All right, so let's talk about it. We've had a number of people, in fact, it's been a record number of people, who have left the White House over the past few months, and you've been tracking these things because the media is not covering it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, You could call it an uh, exodus because you have all these uh, Joe Biden staffers and Kamala Harris staffers, and they're simply just have been leaving the White House. And some of these are maybe more obscure uh, offices, but a lot of them aren't. Uh, the most recent is uh, Kate Bedingfield, who's the White House Communications Director. She's leaving, and uh, when you look at just Joe Biden staffers, there's about 25 of them uh, who have left. If you look at uh, Kamala Harris, there's about 12 of them um, that have left, and almost all of these have gotten no time uh, whatsoever. And it's just another example of how the mainstream media, the networks in particular, are trying to hide just... Uh, how much this uh, administration is failing, how terribly they're doing in the polls. We did another study um, that came out today that just showed that they're they're trying to hide this uh, new New York Times poll that came out that had um, Biden at 33%. So that is what they're trying to do. I would say that it's not working. If you look at the American public, clearly, um, you know, it's not working, but they are doing their best to try and prop up this administration. So what is your take on the frequency and the kind of it's like a relentless thing with staffers just leaving Um, when it was President Trump, any turnover at all? And it was, oh, he's such a horrible leader. They hate him. You know, the people there can't stand working with him. I, I, I don't sense hatred. I sense utter shock at the ineptitude of the entire uh, administration, the organization itself. But what, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right uh, in your characterization because the Washington Examiner, I uh, linked to this uh, in my study, reported that uh, if you, you look at it just in uh, the numbers, Biden staffers in 2021 left the White House at a higher rate than Donald Trump or Barack Obama. So this is this is certainly an abnormal thing, uh, but still the network, you know, the network newscast have no interest in it. And you're also right to point out that, yeah, when a, when a Trump staffer would leave or uh, they'd write a book or they'd want to go on the talk show, the networks were all too happy to kind of embrace them and have them come on and say terrible things about, uh, about Donald Trump. But you have these Biden staffers that are just leaving in waves and there's there's really no interest in it. And beyond the fact that you don't have to be a conservative or an in, independent to care about this, um, you can just be a regular American who wants to know that our um, our White House is functioning properly, and uh, you know people are doing their jobs. And it's hard to imagine that that's the case when you have this. Uh, you know, like I said, wave after wave of people uh, who have leave, are leaving and have been leaving really since like the summer of 2021. This has been a nonstop uh, pattern. Um, and I assume it's only going to get worse as things kind of con- continue to sort of fall apart at the, the Biden White House. Yeah, the unraveling is pretty obvious to those of us on the outside and not even with a uh, with a bias, because 
you know what, Scott, let's just let's just be real here. I should have a real like this should be what I cover every single night, you know, White White House um White House resignation beat and catalog every single person who's leaving and just relentlessly flog it to death the way that the major news networks did during the Trump administration. All of them seem to not only gleefully accept these people coming out of the White House and some of them with the books that they'd written, instead of them just saying, look, I wrote a book about my time in the White House, they came out with a never Trump type of an orientation. Who knows if it's because they didn't get along with President Trump or, you know, there there are personality things going on with Trump and almost everybody that he interacted with. People either almost worship him or they hate him with the hate of a thousand sons. Um, a lot of people have an emotional type of a tether to him that I find kind of inexplicable because he really isn't someone that a lot of people are going to know on a deeply personal level, yet a lot of people claim to know him on a deeply personal level. And then for other people who've met him a few times, they either are almost sycophantic about it or they're in the never Trump category. So he clearly has that kind of a personality that either repels or attracts and it's 100% in one direction or the other. But when you leave a job and you're like writing about it, you're writing about your time there, there are going to be ups and downs in times that you got along with someone and times that you didn't. They would capitalize only on the very worst aspects. If they could find anything bad, they would capitalize on that. If the person coming on had anything nice to say, they would quickly just you know shunt that off to the side and return back to whatever they could link to a crime or racism or what have you. We're not seeing any of that with these people. A lot of them are minorities who are leaving the administration. Why? Why are so many minorities leaving the, the uh, administration in droves? What is it about Kamala Harris, the vice president, and Jill Biden, who's really in charge? She's the one who tells President Biden where to go, when to sit, when to stand. What is it about these people that are causing all of these minorities to leave? Um, what is what most people call a a dream job, working in the White House, having a pass that gets you into every gate, getting into the vice president's residence, going into the EEOC and the Treasury and all of those, you know, they're storybook buildings. They're the buildings that we all know by sight. How could these people who have that kind of access and in insider cachet leave and so many of them by minorities and nobody say anything about that? Well, that, that's a great way to put it because it is shocking. And I, I would say, I think first off, uh, uh, just the lack that we we don't really have any of these type of books when it comes to Biden, and you know obviously I, I you know I'm not there so I can't speculate, but I do know that uh, the the book publishing world, just like the mainstream media, is very very liberal. So I if I had to guess, I would say there's a lack of interest in uh, book publishers for this type of you know what they would consider is a juicy story when it was Donald Trump or frankly any other uh, Republican president when it's Joe Biden, um, they're not interested. They they don't want to talk about this. And when I, in my study, I linked to one of the rare exceptions is that CNN.com did a uh, story about the mass exodus when it comes to Kamala Harris's uh, staffers. And, and yeah, they were brutal. They uh, I can just read a quick qu uh, quote, worn out by what they see as in is the entrenched dysfunction and lack of focus key West Wing aides have largely thrown up their hands at Vice President Kamala Harris. So that's the type of thing that people are saying behind the scenes. And I think you really kind of nailed it. You have these people that are leaving, uh, particularly Kamala Harris, but 
but also uh, Joe Biden, and they're they're unhappy and they they don't think it's a good place to uh, work. Despite the fact that you're right, you know, you're working at the kind of um, the the top. You, everyone would like to you would assume uh, work at the White House or work for the vice president. But you have all these people leaving, and there's just this complete lack of curiosity about what's going on um, in the White House, what's going on um, with Kamala Harris. And I think all of it ties together because clearly something is going wrong. Something is going very poorly that you have, uh, according to the New York Times poll, Joe Biden down at 33 percent. And you have uh, uh, all these uh, you know, Democrats worrying about what's going to happen in 2022 and the midterms and whether either of these people are going to be uh, running on the ticket. But again, you know, the, the, the networks particularly are desperate to try and prop up um, this administration to the the best they can because I think they see the the red wave coming and you know all I can say for uh, your listeners and conservatives and independents out there is that it's not working because you know at a certain point you can't you can't prop this up you know reality kind of intrudes and so I think that's what's happening. So there's an interesting part that dovetails in, Scott, and I'm on your article that you've written over at Newsbusters. Uh, newsbusters.org is a website, and we'll have this linked in the show notes to today's podcast because I would love it if um, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're thinking, okay, you know, I kind of get that, but I'm, the, the true picture of what Scott is describing is right here in his article where you talk about, the, it's entitled, ABC Hides Dismal New Biden Poll, 64% of Dems Don't Want Him. So this is something I was talking about last night on SiriusXM, and that is how deeply dissatisfied Democrats are. Some of them want more liberal orthodoxy, so they don't think Biden has done enough. But many of them are just upset over things that they feel like are unnecessary, unforced errors, like the the economy, the the gas prices, the the baby formula shortage. These are things that are kind of causing Democrats to think, 2024 can't be about Joe Biden. And I, th- I almost feel like there's some exhaustion with his dementia where they're not talking about it, but they are quite sick of it. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting, particularly about the, the New York Times story, what we wrote about uh, for your listeners was just basically, yeah, the, the New York Times had a front page story yesterday. It was devastating that 64 percent of uh, Democrats don't want him around, 33 percent approval rating, all of that stuff. And there, if you read the article, there is there is talk about his age and, and issues like that. And I think what is particularly interesting is that um, this is something that the mainstream media, you know, the left Democrats, the mainstream media said we really couldn't talk about. You know, they got really upset um, when uh, Republicans or conservatives tried to bring this up really in the past year of his, um, you know, any cognitive issues that he might have, his age. And now you see it right there on the front page of the New York Times. So, I, I, yeah, the the New York Times is covering, I would say, as I say in my um, article, that there are outlets uh, that, like ABC that are still trying to hide it, and they don't want to talk about these polls, but it's out there much more than it was. And I think you have to assume that the reason for that is that uh, there is contingent now of the, the left, and that includes the liberal media, that don't want Biden uh, and Harris to be there in 2024. So, you know, it, they I think they're really conflicted about, do we try and prop them up? As we've seen a lot, do we try and ignore this stuff and pretend it's not happening, or do we try um, and force him out? And I think that's 
kind of a combination. You're starting to see both, you know, what the New York Times is doing by uh, promoting this, but then also, you know, other outlets that are still just trying to kind of pretend it's not happening. So the forcing out then leads to the next question. And that's the one, Scott, where I'm, I'm looking for your analysis here. Is it really that all they have on their bench, these Democrats, the party, it's um, Gavin Newsom, Mr. French Laundry, Mr. You know, Wyoming Vacations, um, and Hillary? That's it. You know, I, yeah, I don't think the Democrats have a very strong bench. And I also, I also think that, yeah, that, you know, if you're going to run Gavin Newsom, that would be, uh, that would be quite a contrast between, uh, whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or, uh, you know, the Republican, because he is so far left. And, and Democrats and the liberal media try and pretend that they're not extreme on these issues, but they, they really are. If they really think that abortion, that they're going to win on this abortion issue, then, you know, you need to talk to Americans about uh, supporting abortion up to birth, which is a lot of, you know, uh, what a lot of these Democrats see. And that's not popular, and that's not popular amongst uh, a lot of the uh, minority groups. And just take a look at what's happening in Texas, where you have Maya Flores and all these uh, Hispanic, the rise of uh, the Hispanic uh, Republicans, particularly in South Texas. So I think the Democrats have have a real problem on their hands if they think that this is going to be um, their key to success of running someone like uh, Gavin Newsom. I just don't see it, and and I think that's part of the problem of the liberal media, where you live in this this bubble, and they they think that these ideas are really popular. And, you know, I think they're in for a rude awakening in 2024. Yeah, I do, too. And the other part about their, like Gavin Newsom, is he presents such a nasty contrast in comparison to President Trump, who obviously they hate him viscerally. And there are Americans who are exhausted by, you know, what they see as this, it's a relentless onslaught against President Trump, the likes of which we've never seen mounted against a Republican before. And so there's there's a little bit of exhaustion with people for that. But there's also kind of an iron will that they're not going to allow them to decide who we do or do not have as our nominee. Like there there are people out there who may be exhausted, but they still understand that in the end, the Republican nominee is the purview of Republican voters. Then there's Ron DeSantis. The left hates him, but they don't have as much ammunition with which to tar and feather him, not just because he's you know never been the president before, but also because he just is a he's a tighter communicator. Um, he laughs a lot more. He's 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 younger. There's just a, a whole lot of kind of assets that he has that make him possibly more palatable to independents, especially. I'm not talking about Democrats because some, sometimes I think they're. Um, what did George Bush call it? Their deciders are off. Like they, there's there's a disconnect there. They can't they right. can't seem to to see the truth. But independents still want cheap gas and you know baby formula on the shelves, whether they have children or not. And they don't want abortion to be the dominating force in our public conversation. Abortion is actually not something that people are comfortable talking about all the time, unless they're hardcore activists or you know communicators who are you know basically 
educated on how to discuss abortion. Everyone else would rather not discuss it. So I think there is a huge mistake that they're, they seem to be counting on something that really isn't there with the abortion discussion. But what do you make of a matchup between uh, Ron DeSantis, let's say, on the Republican side and, uh, um, you know, Governor Gruesome, as I like to call him, Governor Newsom? What would that look like in your opinion? Well, as for the media, I think you would see a lot, a lot of what we're seeing right now, which is they're going to try and pretend that he is not as radical uh, as he um, as he is. But I, I think exactly as you put it, that Ron DeSantis um, can I, I think he can be a lot more uh, focused often at times than than Donald Trump can be. So he's not going to let them get uh, away with this stuff. And and we've already seen this kind of bizarre California ad where they were inviting people to come from Florida to um, to California. And, you know, that's fine if you're just a radical activist, as you were kind of saying. But most people, uh, you know, they have jobs, they have businesses. Uh, They're not going to be interested in going to California and going to, you know, to deal with the kind of the taxes and all the issues uh, and problems uh, that you have uh, in California. And you you really don't see that in Florida. So I think that would be quite a matchup. I think you would uh, certainly see Ron DeSantis standing up to not just the Democrats, but the liberal media on, on all these uh, points and all this spin uh, that, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, trying to push forward. And I just really think it would be, it would be a lot tougher for the Democrats and the left to kind of defend uh, some of the things that Gavin Newsom um, has been doing. Honestly, I think Ron DeSantis would, would really love that kind of a matchup. Yeah, well, and the other thing that is, there's something really mean about Governor Newsom. It's in, like it's baked in. There's a mean streak there. And um, there are quite a few videos of him being very, very mean, cursing, um, talking. He's frustrated, a reporter asking him about something that he finds frustrating, and then he loses it. He has a very short fuse. So I could see where... A matchup between um, Governor Newsom, it doesn't matter who he's matched up against, Trump or DeSantis, could easily push his buttons and cause him to lose his cool. And I think that would be devastating because, you know, everyone is always talking about how handsome he is. But I think there's something so mean and evil about him. He, he's not handsome at all. He looks like the villain in one of the Batman movies to me. Um, that part of his inner personality seems to float on the top for me. So I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if other voters will see that. Well, you know, I think that certainly the the issues that we're dealing with now, inflation and taxes and gas prices are not going to go away. And I just want to go back kind of briefly to something you said on abortion. Certainly Gavin Newsom would try and paint, whether it's Ron DeSantis or Trump, Republicans as extreme on this issue. But I honestly don't, I honestly think it's much more, it's a much more nuanced uh, issue than the liberal media would, would admit because are all Americans as conservative as, you know, as we conservatives might like on abortion? No, but they're nowhere near as liberal as the press tries to make them out. So you would have Gavin Newsom running basically on abortion um, to birth. And that's not where the American public, most of the American public are fine, certainly with some restrictions are fine with a 15-week ban. Um, they yep. may not be fine with some of the stuff that you you will see uh, coming out of uh, maybe some of these more conservative states. Um, but 
you know, it, it's like I said, it's much more nuanced, and Gavin Newsom would not be able to get away with being as radical as he really is on this issue. So I think, you know, someone like um, Ron DeSantis would really be able to step up and, uh, you know, kind of get in their faces in a way that would be, you know, probably a little more focused than um, than Donald Trump has been doing. Well, we shall see. I know one thing's for sure. Everyone should head over to mrctv.org, newsbusters.org, find the fantastic content there. I have two stories linked in the show notes um, that Scott and I were discussing today, both by Scott Whitlock. Such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for your time. Research director at newsbusters.org. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Always fun. All right. Have a great afternoon. And you can find out more at familyvisionmedia.org and stacyonthewright.com. God bless you. See you next time.